Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your first place Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marku, back here in Perfectville, along with the co-hostess with the most, the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Christopher Colon. Chris, how are you doing? Oh, fantastic, buddy. We're still 3-0 since the last time I talked to you, and I'm still the two-time Hall of Famer, so life is really good. Yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't seem like that long ago that you and I were talking into the microphone because it was less than two days ago. In fact, I don't think either one of us moved. We just kind of waited in our respective <laughs> studios on either side of the continent right now uh, until it was time for us to record again. But here we are, uh, still enjoying the 3-0 and start by the Miami Dolphins and going into a huge week against the AFC East Dolphins. Dominant New England Patriots, who are this year not so dominant at one and two. Uh, we're probably going to talk about that. Uh, but of course, Chris, before we talk about that, we have to actually get to that. And we get to that with the coin toss uh, this year the, or this week. The year of the coin that I am flipping in the air for us to talk about is the year 2008. Chris, do you remember 2008? I actually will never forget that year. That is the year. We went 11 and 5, and that is also the year my son was born. So, uh, probably the best year of my life. I love the fact that the priority was that we went 11 and 5, and oh, by the way, my son was born. <laughs> I looked so. at it as I was ending with the better thing. You know, like you end with a big Hollywood moment. Sorry. Yeah, you're right, though. The, the first thing I said was the fucking Dolphins yeah. being 11 and 5 and uh, going to the playoffs for the first time since I, you know, can remember. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the first. <laughs> Sorry for that. Sorry, Zach, if you're listening to this. And if you're listening to this, go to bed. It's too late for you to be listening to this show. Um, That was the year that Tony Sperano actually came on as an unknown head coach for the Miami Dolphins, coming off of a disastrous 1-15 in 2007. Um, We had Chad Pennington drop into our laps after Brett Favre goes to the New York Jets, as you remember, and they cut Chad Pennington, who was really the bane of my existence when he was with the Jets playing against the Miami Dolphins. In fact, you and I, the year before, you're absolutely right. He beat us the year before, the year we went 1-15. I think in week three, you and I were sitting there baking in the New Jersey sun, watching him just waltz into the end zone while all of our players went, hey. Like a fucking nutcracker. Like he looked... I hated, like you said, bane of your existence. I hated everything about that guy. He did a QB sneak right in the end zone we are sitting in on the nosebleeds. That guy was wearing a shell necklace behind us, and they tried to throw beer on us. It was absolutely horrible. I wanted Chad Pennington to die. And then we signed him, and we go on 11-5, and and I'm like, He's all right. He's a yeah, good guy. <laughs> he's an okay guy. You know, he's got stupid hay for hair, but we like him. Uh, and matter of fact, that year ended, um, at least the last uh, of the regular season, ended with us beating the Jets in that very stadium against Brett Favre and us picking him off. I think Philip Merling, if I'm not mistaken, returned it for a pick six. Um, so it was just kind of like, you know, apropos and, and justice served. And also, uh, 10 years ago, Chris, 2008, the debut of the Wildcat, when we uh, took the league by storm, it was the last time that the Miami Dolphins or any team other than the New 
New England Patriots have actually won the AFC East. Um, it's been 10 years, and prior to that, it was uh, it was about six or seven years. So that's how dominant the Patriots have been in the AFC East. But we won 11-5. and five. I believe we played the, what, Baltimore Ravens in the uh, first yes. round of the playoffs, and they were like, yeah, enough of this wildcat bullshit. If you can't throw the ball and run the ball properly, we're just going to step on your throat. And that's exactly what they did to us in that uh, wild card round. But uh, nonetheless... Home. Yeah, yeah. And then I believe uh, Brian Billick and his players pissed on the field. I, I don't remember if that's the exact. I'm serious. I, I don't know. Like, if that I know. Was... They, no, I know. I know that's true. But it's just like uh, the way you said it and like it actually being true is just fucking hilarious to me. Like this NFL team was like, just fuck this team so much that we're going to urinate on their field in front of each other. Like, it's just the most ridiculous thing in the world. And of course it happened to us. It was one of those like bizarre moments. The only thing I can equate it to is a couple of years ago, the Dodgers, uh, they've been on this, uh, this run in the West. I think they've won five in a row, almost six now in terms of uh, West pennants. And they beat the diamondbacks to clinch and they did it in Arizona. And if you've ever been to an Arizona diamondbacks game, Chris at their stadium, they have a pool in uh, right center field. Like you can rent it out, have a pool party because it's Arizona. It's hotter than Hades. Um, but all the Dodgers, players ran out after they clinched and they jumped into the pool after everyone had left. They were still in the clubhouse and Hyun Jun Roo, who's still in the team, he's a pitcher, uh, actually peed in the pool um, because he got so excited playing in the pool like a little kid that he <laughs> forgot to get out and he actually just urinated in their pool and the Diamondbacks to this day have not forgiven the Dodgers for it. Uh, but that's about the only time I've ever remember <laughs> hearing anything very similar to that. And, and I want to bring this up before we, we, we give our topics and flip the coin. Uh, you'd mentioned, you know, of course it happened to the Dolphins in terms of getting their field peed on. Because that's what happens to us. That's what we've known as, you know, that's why we continue to kind of tongue in cheek, have a, a bag over our head as our as our fan mascot here for the Perfectville uh, people, whatever the fuck they're called, citizens of Perfectville. And um, man, I just had like a stroke in the middle of that little rant there. Where was I going with that? Oh, uh, the high five, high five gate. I'm surprised on a national media level that Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant have not gotten more scrutiny uh, for that, what I would consider disrespectful act. Now, don't get me wrong, citizens and doll fans everywhere. I love it. I absolutely fantastic. It's my background of my, of my cell phone right now. But if that had happened the other way around, which I'm surprised it didn't, I'm surprised it wasn't Amari Cooper and Jordy Nelson high-fiving down the side of the road, uh, down the side of the field as they scored on the Dolphins to, to close it out. But if that had happened the other way, don't you think, Chris, that Dolphins ever would be screaming about how disrespectful that that show of emotion was? Oh, of course. I mean, it's just like we always talked about with Dominic and Sue. It's like, you know, you hate him until he's on your team. Like, that's happening for us. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's happening against us. Man, fuck you. No, I totally agree. And, and that's why I'm thinking maybe I'm starting to uh, the pessimist in me is starting to get shrunk down a little bit because typically that would happen against us. And that's how we would feel. And this time it's happening the other way. And I don't know how to feel. I have so many emotions. I think it's called happiness. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, speaking of happiness, like 2008, when we uh, won at 11 and five, we won the AFC East. Let's flip this coin. But before we do, Chris, we do need to know the topics. And I will always give you the honors first. What topic are you bringing to the coin toss here today? I'm going to be simple as can be. Or I'm going to talk about the Patriots game. Oh, you're going to talk about the Patriots game. There you go. Uh, matter of fact, simple as that. I'm going to talk about, really, it's going to be a two-headed monster here, Chris. And I almost need to flip an internal coin as to which way I want to go. I'm going to talk about something that I've been telling everyone else not to pay attention to, and that is the national media. I alluded to it mm. on the last episode of Perfectville. We're going long form on this. We're turning a paragraph into an essay, if you will, because... Uh, 
I've got a major bone to pick with the national media outlets, both in uh, traditional print and media, as well as the quote unquote new media. Um, so that's what we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the national media and the Patriots game. Uh, call it in the air, Chris. I am flipping now. Tails. It's always fucking tails. This is like a, a trick coin. It is tails once again. I'm not even kidding. Can I you should just throw it flat at the ground with tails up because I, I, I honestly can't believe you're flipping it. You need to record this the next time because I need to see it land on tails every time. I, I, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna just hang a GoPro from the top of my roof and show it down because I flip the coin like you would normally flip a coin <laughs> and it lands on fucking tails every single time. I can just picture time. you with like a mistletoe GoPro like hanging up so it's like flipped at the GoPro yeah. in slow motion. Uh, uh, man, I could have rhymed the shit out of that. Mistletoe GoPro in slow-mo, and it lands on Tails-O. Well, there you go. Boom. Um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> we'll leave the rapping skills to the citizens of Perfectville. That's called a tease for later in this episode Ooh, as we unveil a new episode, or a new episode, a new a new uh, segment, segment, I guess. There you go. Man, you know, I got to start drinking, man. <laughs> we're too sober. We I'm know we can't sober. do that. I don't know what to do. My tongue's just like normal. It's not slurring all over the place, and which is causing me uh, problems here. I have some balance issues because I'm too sober. Um, all right. Well, it is tails, so uh, it is up to you whether you'd like to kick off or defer. Or Well, I keep saying that, but it should be receive or defer, I guess. Uh, what would you like to do? Would you like to talk about your topic first or your topic second? I'm going to kick off or defer so you to make you sound better. I'm going to defer. You go first. I want to hear your <laughs> rant about the national media. Oh, good. This is good. Uh, we need to talk about this here, Chris, because oftentimes what I see on our Twitter page at Perfectville Pod or on our Facebook page, Perfectville Podcast, are people uh, quoting the national media and, and they're just up in arms. I'm talking about Dolphins everywhere. Oh, can you believe the disrespect? Can you believe that everyone on the NFL Network pregame show is picking against the Miami Dolphins? Can you believe on SportsCenter that they didn't even show the Miami Dolphins highlights when they're 2-0 and or 3-0 and or whatever it happens to be? And I have maintained for a very long time Chris, that why are you watching anything on the national media scale? Why are you reading a newspaper like, you know, USA Today or or anything that has any sort of national, you know, print coverage? Why are you going to Yahoo Sports? Why are you going to ESPN.com? Why are you doing anything on a national level in this day and age when you have so much information at your fingertips? You have people that are dedicated, either paid or unpaid, following your favorite team, in this case, the Miami Dolphins. You have experts out there, people like Travis Wingfield and others, who know how to break Break down game film and are happy and willing to do it on a daily freaking basis. Um, why would you ever go to ESPN and listen to Chris fucking Mortensen? Like, why would you ever go to the NFL Network and listen to what Michael Irvin has to say about today's generation of football players? The guy hasn't been relevant since 1999. Why are you putting yourself in that position to where you're getting yourself up in arms about anything that anybody on a national level has to say about the Miami Dolphins? They don't know anything about the Miami Dolphins. I cannot stress this enough. If you look at a pregame show, let's just talk uh, CBS because that's where the majority of the games are for the Miami Dolphins, right? They have an hour. Okay. Out of that hour. 15 to 20 minutes of that is commercials. So that automatically scales you down to 40 to 45 minutes tops to talk about 32 
individual teams. Okay, if you do the math, that means a little more than a minute for each team if they were to evenly distribute that out, which they do not do. Of course, they're not going to do that because they have to get their picks in. They have to talk about the individual, uh, the, the, the pairing, right? The matchups that are going on. And then there's always a fluff piece about fucking, I don't know, Tom Brady's seventh child or whatever it is that they have to get in to make you feel sorry about the richest man in the NFL. Uh, it doesn't equate to having any sort of valid time to talk about the Miami Dolphins. So why are you getting so upset about it? If you go to ESPN and you look at the NFL networks that they have, they have 30 minutes, immediately seven, eight of those chop those off for commercials. You now have less than a minute if you were to touch every single team in the NFL. It's real simple, ladies and gentlemen. They don't have the time to talk about the Miami Dolphins all the time like you want them to. They don't care enough to talk about the Miami Dolphins to talk about them the way you want them to. They don't follow the team. So why, if you understand that they don't follow the team and they don't have the time or the actual care to follow the team, are you getting upset about their opinions or where they're ranking the Miami Dolphins? You are setting your own self up for failure. I maintain that you could follow this podcast as part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, along with Dolphins Talk Daily, Fins Up, Fans Down, Locked on Dolphins, Three Yards Per Carry, uh, unsquish the fish, you name it. Any any podcast that's out there right now that is specific to, in this case, the Miami Dolphins is infinitely better. I don't care if the quality of the, of the podcast is bad, if their equipment sucks, it's still better than anything you're ever going to find on the national fucking media uh, scale. That's just the way it is. Until the Miami Dolphins make the playoffs, win a playoff game, and ultimately win a Super Bowl, nobody is ever going to talk about the Miami Dolphins the way you want them to talk about the Miami Dolphins. So just deal with that. But my point is, it's not fair, but we can't change it unless we decide to just turn it off and focus on the people that actually care about the goddamn Miami Dolphins, like the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, just because I love being a hypocrite, Chris, I am going to (laughs) read you the latest rankings from Yahoo Sports, because as I'm telling everyone else not to look at the national coverage, I'm fucking doing the exact same thing, but I'm doing it to prove a point here. I'm going to read you the latest rankings after we beat the Oakland Raiders, and we're going to break down, you and I are going to break down why this review is so bad and why it proves my point. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. This has the Miami Dolphins ranked 15th. Now, mind you, there are only three three 3-0 teams or undefeated teams left in the NFL this year, the Miami Dolphins happen, happen to be one of them, but they are nonetheless ranked 15th, according to Yahoo Sports, and that is up five spots from number 20 after going 2-0, and and this is what it says. The Dolphins are a really odd 3-0 and team. Putting them down at 16, even though it clearly shows them at 15, feels a little unfair, but then they've been more workmanlike than electrifying. Miami have been faced with three pretty average teams and seen them off respectably. Okay, that is their opinion of the Miami Dolphins. Workmanlike? Workmanlike. What the fuck is that? Are we playing like a 1970s team? Didn't we just have a three-trick play touchdowns? That is my point about the national media. (laughs) All they are doing is looking at the box score. They are clearly looking at the box score and not even looking at the highlights, Chris, because if they had, the last thing that you would ever say, after, especially after that Raiders game, is that the Miami Dolphins were workmanlike. Workmanlike (laughs) suggests that they were stopping the Oakland Raiders on three and outs. Workmanlike suggests that they were grinding out first downs with Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake and had a very conservative passing game and that maybe they played with a 
lead and wore down and grinded out this victory and held on for dear life at the end. You would know this. I know this. That's not how that game played out whatsoever. I mean, how how do they justify calling this team right now workmanlike when you have you know a double reverse toss? Uh, wide receiver throw to another wide receiver for like a 74-yard touchdown. You've got jet sweeps running all over the place. You've got Albert Wilson running 21 miles per hour in the open field, high-fiving his teammate on the way to a touchdown. And oh, by the way, that was one quarter of one game. There's been enough highlights, whether it be interceptions, fumble recoveries, punt returns and kickoff returns for touchdowns. In this case, a kickoff return with Jakeem Grant. I don't know why they can't say that we're electrifying. Those are a very, that is the very definition of fucking electrifying. I don't understand. I mean, we're so electrifying that thunderstorms are delaying our game seven and a half fucking hours, Chris. Uh, this infuriates me, and, I, and, and I'm telling everyone this is why you can't watch uh, the coverage for the Miami Dolphins through the national lens, because it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, they can't even get their rankings right. They have them down at 16 when they also have them at 15. They don't even understand what's going on here. I mean, what Sam. do you make of this if, if both of us would have done a ridiculous prediction and said that we'd be losing the entire game and playing from behind at home and all of a sudden we some one of us either you or i mentioned the three plays that scored touchdowns uh at the end of the game there with jakeem grant with the double reverse pass the flip to jakeem grant and the flip to wilson and the high five into the end zone like that's something we'd say in a ridiculous prediction, and like it happened. And he's saying we're workmanlike, like we're wearing, we're bringing pails to the office, and like Rudy is in the background, and steel workers are coming to watch our game. Like we were the absolute opposite of workmanlike. Sam, who wrote that story? We need to have his name set out in public, and our fans need to know who it is. Who the fuck wrote that for Yahoo Sports? I actually don't even recall because I didn't, uh, I didn't grab God that information. But we'll I tweeted out. It, we're gonna yeah. tweet it out. We'll put it in the notes of the show here. So when you uh, find this show on Welcome to That's a ridiculous Bill, prediction. And he said we're working like? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Now, ESPN has us ranked eighth. And, you know, I can get with that. I could totally get with that, except for the fact that ranked seventh is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who just finally won a game barely against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. Uh, they have the New England quarterback. Yeah, they have the New England Patriots ranked sixth, who are have a losing record. Uh, they have the Jacksonville Jaguars, who just lost, and the Philadelphia Eagles, who lost week one as number three and number four. And, of course, the only other teams that they have um, uh, above those two are the Los Angeles Rams 3-0 and and the Kansas City Chiefs 3-0. and So there you go. You have two teams that are both undefeated, one and two, and the Rams and the Chiefs, and the third team that's undefeated behind teams with losing fucking records and teams that have ties. Uh, teams that tied the Cleveland fucking Browns, by the way. So even if they have a set eight, which I I kind of get, it's still bullshit. It still doesn't make any yeah. sense to what to be behind the Pittsburgh Steelers or the New England Patriots at this point. I'm not saying we're better than the Patriots overall, but we've definitely played better than the Patriots so far this season. So why in the fuck are the New England Patriots above the Miami Dolphins, according to ESPN? It doesn't make because any they're, sense. They're, yeah, they're basing it off of like decades of games, last season, the season before that, all that bullshit. And that's what they're basing it on, not just like this year's actual records and, and tape that they've put on the field. And that's the bullshit that comes into play where it's hypocritical, where they'll do a show 
show and in the pregame show they'll pick somebody to lose or win based on like things that happen on paper um, or, or they'll say that on paper they look like they should win this but I'm not going to pick them to win but then on paper they'll like put their rankings in order and 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 well the Patriots shouldn't have lost this game and the Steelers uh, are probably going to hit a stride after this like it's all hypothetical instead of just like seeing what's actually there if you want to look at the top three teams it's the top three teams that haven't lost a game period that's it at worst we should be third and Sam there's no other um concurring that I'm going to do with you uh on this topic other than me coming home for lunch today I'm either I'm, I'm able to come home for lunch and I turn on NFL live and they have for god awful some reason the fucking former Panthers and Bears head coach John Fox who just sounds like a smoker and uh he shouldn't be on television at all because it sounds like just like a 70s dad yelling at somebody with lung cancer <laughs> like i can't understand that he is on tv right now there's not a former head coach out there that could uh I, Joe Philbin would be more entertaining than John Fox. Tony uh, Sperano today would be more entertaining than John fucking Fox. <laughs> and Tony Sperano's been dead for three months. <laughs> no disrespect to Tony Sperano. A lot no, of disrespect to John Fox. Yeah, horrible. He's horrible. Like he forgot to like touch the screen and fucking Teddy Bruschi had to do it for him because it was so pre planned and predicted. <laughs> like it wasn't even like it just completely pulled the curtain up from anything they're trying to portray on TV. But here's the funny thing. Um they did this thing called trend or end. Right. Here's what they did. They one of the topics was the Dolphins haven't won since well, uh, well, perfectly your coin since 2008, the Wildcat game in Foxborough. We have not won since 2008 in Foxborough. And uh, one of the things to pick was that are we going to break that? Are we going to end it, or is it a trend that continues? That's that's their game. And of course, of course, Teddy Bruschi. Mr. Not Biased himself played his whole fucking career in New England and was actually on the team that lost in 2008 to the Miami Dolphins. Good point. He gets to pick whether the Dolphins are going to end this trend on Sunday or if it's going to continue to be the same old, same old, and we're going to lose. Well, he picked trend. Wow. What a surprise. He didn't end it. He picked trend, and here's his explanation why. And, Sam, I can't even – uh, I didn't know you were going to do this as a topic, and I saw it at lunch, and I can't even believe I remember it. But here's his explanation why we'll lose on Sunday. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is all of what he is. I think it's more Adam Gase and his play calling than Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> um, that's it. That's what he said. So, okay. Who's the one throwing the ball, though? All right, fine. That's your. That's, that's one part. Here's the other part. Um, the Dolphins have a lot of quick passing and fast, quick receivers, but I think the Patriots are going to fix their tackling issues, mm. and that's why they're going to win. They're going to fix their tackling issues and win the game, and that's why it's going to be a trend. That's his. That's it. And it ended at that point. And everybody's just like, oh, good point. Good point, Teddy. Wow, way to go. Like you, you fucking know the Patriots, man. Like Good call. Like That was his absolute groundbreaking fucking explanation of why the Dolphins will lose on Sundays because Adam Gase is why we're 3-0, not Ryan Tannehill. We still have Adam Gase, by the way. Yeah, we didn't fire that's, him. That's we the point. I was, I was biting my tongue. That's I was waiting for exactly. you to make that point. Okay, let's just say let's just say that Ryan Tannehill isn't who we think he is right now, okay? And let's just say that it is Adam Gase. 
okay, well, did Adam Gase fucking quit and go be the offensive coordinator for the fucking New England Patriots somehow and we forgot it? No, he's still the fucking head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So why would we ever uh, take that as a negative? Like, okay, yeah, it's it's fucking uh, it's Adam Gase. That's the reason we're losing. That's one. That's 50 percent of why we're losing is because it's been Adam Gase. We're three. now. Okay. So can't he beat the reason we're four and like that's your national media groundbreaking fucking discovery? No, I uh man, I just it that <laughs> Teddy Bruschi uh maybe led with his helmet a bit too much when he was playing uh football not back in the day. At all, of course. <laughs> I mean he he played in Seattle his whole career. Of course he wouldn't, you know, pick against his former quarterback and head coach his entire career. Of course. Like what an unbiased great fucking segment espn i love that you put this amazing journalistic uh aptitude in front of us i love it thank you so much how about this this is this is my favorite one this i saved the best for last chris and this came from bleacher report now a lot of doll fans (laughs) and citizens of perfectville love bleacher report they go to it to all their news they've got a great app they break news all the time they've got funny things that go out that's associated with uh, bleacher report these are the power rankings for week four going into week four so right now and They uh, have the Miami Dolphins ranked. Uh, care to guess, Chris? Mm, not fucking Bleacher Report. Uh, probably 28th. They had him 20th. Oh, after, my God. <laughs> after beating the Raiders 28 to 20, slightly up from the week before when they were uh, 21st, but down from where they were at the beginning of the season at 19. Can you believe that? Wait, somehow so the Miami down after being 3 and 0. Yes, uh, the Miami Dolphins somehow have had a net loss, according to Bleacher Report, when it comes to how they've performed so far here in 2018. And this is what it says. This is the it's so bizarre. It's time to start giving the Miami Dolphins their due, sort of. Yes, the Dolphins haven't played anyone yet, and it's been done with special team scores, defensive touchdowns, and trick plays. The Dolphins have thrown the kitchen sink at their opponents, basically saying we're, we're, we're relying on a gimmick to, yeah, we're uh, lucky to, to, win. to beat everyone. But... 3 and 0 is 3 and 0 and after coming back to town coming back to down the Raiders at home in week 3 the Dolphins are in a position that has historically produced many more playoff trips than not however the last time the Dolphins started 3 and 0 2013 Miami proceeded to lose 4 in a row finishing 8 and 8 and out of the postseason the Dolphins haven't started 3 and 0 and finished the season with a winning record since all the way back in 2002 Given that history and Miami's less than stellar opposition to date, Davenport remains a bit skeptical. I'm assuming Davenport is the person who's actually writing this article, this trash, uh, at least one of the experts on Bleacher Report. The Dolphins may be better than we thought, he said, but that doesn't make them good. Mm. You want some dap, (laughs) Dolphins? Beat the Patriots in Gillette next week. Heck, just give New England a run for its money, and I'll have a much easier time buying this team is for real. Right now... 3-0 Three and zero or not, I don't. Well, well, that's just that's hurtful and hurts my feelings, Chris. Gagnon <laughs> or Gagnon, which is French for win, ironically enough, echoed those sentiments. They can't control who they play, he said. But beating the Titans, Jets, and Raiders by one score each doesn't mean a whole lot, especially with two of those victories coming at home. I'm sorry, they play half their fucking games at home. What are they supposed to do? How dare they? If they hang with the Patriots in week four, I'll move them way up 
in my rankings. Oh, well, thank you, King Gagnon. We're waiting for your fucking rankings after we beat the New England Patriots. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for you to raise your rankings of the Miami Dolphins. Who the fuck is Gagnon? Why do I give a shit? I don't. This is what I'm talking about. 20th, Chris. They have a 3-0 and team, one of only three teams to be undefeated so far as the 20th best team in the NFL. That guy can gag on my balls. That's right. Boom. Right there. I mean, seriously, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And can we please stop using historical uh, things to prove uh, today's team to be the same way? Like, uh, that is the worst. It's Absolute worst talking point I've ever seen. And it's used daily on NFL Network, on ESPN, on NFL Radio, on Sirius XM Radio, on CBS on Fox. It is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. The absolute worst, Sam, is someone saying, well, the last time the Dolphins went 3-0 was 2013, and they went 8-8. and So due to that historical reason, I'm going to say it's going to happen again. Do you know how much this fucking team has changed in that time? Do you know how much this team has fucking changed since last year? Do you know how much this team has fucking changed since last week? Hayes is on the IR. Like, there's another guy from the practice squad signed up. We just, the Patriots just put two guys on the IR. This team and the NFL is ebb and flowing, always, constantly, weekly. And for anybody to use a historical context from years ago with a different roster, with a different coach, with a different GM, with a different stadium, and compare it. It's just the unbelievablest thing I've ever heard in my life. I can't stand. That's like my biggest pet peeve, Sam, is when anybody utilizes historical similarities to compare today's team with an entirely different roster, entirely different situation all around. It's just mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. It'd be like saying, well, in eighth grade, I had a math test and um, I failed it. So my senior high school, I, I, I failed it on a Tuesday. So I had a test on a Tuesday in my senior year. I'm going to probably fail this test too. Like, who the fuck are you talking about? Like, I, I, it's I think it's even worse than that. I think it would be like in eighth grade, your father failed a fucking math test. Right. So therefore you in eighth person, grade should exactly. be, yeah, you know, that's how bad that is. Uh, by the way, I love the fact that you just invented a word that should be a t-shirt and that is it's the most unbelievablest thing i have ever heard i think that's what you just said said, unbelievablest i wanted to say that's not a word but fuck it but dude that i i just want a t-shirt with our logo that says unbelievablest (laughs) that's what i want i want it it, that's like the 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 uncorrect way of saying that can be an inspirationalist yeah. So for all the unbelievableists out there in National Media Town, uh, just 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 know that we got your eye on here from the small little town of Perfectville. We got you. We, we got this shit. We, we're not going to forget. OK, we're like elephants, not because we're fat. We are. But because we remember everything. All right. So uh, just keep that in mind. Unbelievable. enough there, Chris, uh, <laughs> over on CBS Sports. This is how bad the national media is. They're making me agree with Pete fucking Prisco, who oh, has been a huge huge dolphin hater for as long he's been an unbelievable list of the dolphins forever he's got him ranked fourth he's got him ranked number four he's had him he had him ranked 12th last week which is about where i would have put him and he says like hey they head to new england this week in first place with a chance to take a strong command of the division adam Gase has done a heck of a job when pete 
fucking Prisco is the voice of reason, reason on the national media standpoint. We got problems, but uh, I don't know what else to say, Chris. This has got me fuming. I don't want to spend any more time on this. There are a pimple on my ass, and I just popped it, so I feel better now that the pus is running into my asshole. Um, anything <laughs> else you want to talk about? With Yeah, there's some, there's some visuals there for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can tell I'm fired up here, but uh, anything else you want to talk about on the national media side before we uh, move on with our little show? No, absolutely not. Because like you said, I'll get fired up and pissed off even more. And uh, I love that topic because, man, we both just hit a fucking stride on that one. I love it. Oh, man. We, we, we were high-fiving at the 10-yard line on that hey, one. Yeah. What I, a workman we are. We're such workmen. We're work- this is a workman-like show that we have right here. No highlights whatsoever. We're just grinding God, through it. That pisses me off. Fucking uh, right. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know what doesn't piss me off, Chris? And that is, of course, uh, our new segment, something that uh, really is, is derelict on our duties to have not had this sooner. But, uh, of course, I'm talking about something that I'm going to announce right now called the Citizen of the Week. Uh, One of the things that we love most about this show is the fact that we get to interact with all those citizens that are out there, be it a review, be it just a a Twitter conversation or us actually texting. Some of the some of the citizens out there actually have our phone number. We actually talk to them via text during the game and after the game. And uh, well, I do anyways. I don't know if you do. You're probably ew. don't touch me. I'm I'm an elitist. (laughs) I make up words, but uh, I I love that. Uh, But uh, this is a new segment that we're calling Citizen of the Week. And uh, uh, shame on us for not doing this sooner because we have so many good listeners out there um, that uh, we need to shine a little bit more of a light than what we've been doing. Now, this is really, there is no criteria other than Chris and I are going to say that is our citizen of the week. And of course, you will hold bragging rights over the ever-growing population of Perfectville going forward, at least for the next six, seven, eight days until we pick a new one. Um, and we have some candidates here, Chris. I'm going to read off about five different candidates and we're going to go ahead and pick our citizen of the week. Um, and the first one's actually going to come from an iTunes review. As you guys know, if you give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, you qualify for an Aronde Baxton Sip Sack Koozie, uh, which I have been bad in terms of sending those out here recently, but I will get to the store, or, well, maybe that's the problem. I'm going to the store instead of the mailbox and ship these <laughs> things out, but uh, just a couple of them. This one comes from Dolphin Ray, who's actually given us multiple reviews in the past. Uh, he seems to enjoy Apple Podcasts here, Chris, and it says, testing, testing, one, two, three. Did you guys receive my last review? Just checking. I thought it was my best to date. Love you guys regardless. Well, okay, so that is a review, technically. Uh, you filled out the box there, Dolphin Ray, but um, it seems like something maybe you should have emailed us, perfectvillepodcast at gmail.com, as opposed to leaving this in the open on Apple Podcasts. But nonetheless, you did check all the boxes. You gave us five-star rating and a review. So uh, you qualify for... And a Rondé Bagston Sipsack Koozie. You're also in the running for Citizen of the Week. Next one, Chris, comes from Restless Chaos, which sounds like either a really bad 1980s album or a really good 1990s album. I'm not sure. Uh, but it says, great open-minded review of the Finns, five stars. I think they have the most realistic view of the team. They are entertaining with just enough optimism. Thanks, guys. Love, Frosty. Um, optimism. Chris, we are optimists, apparently, but uh, I think that's because the wow. team is doing well. But uh, good for you, Mr. Russell's Chaos. You are now qualified and are in the running for Citizen of the Week. Uh, this one comes from Five Stars Keep It Up by Zombie. And it says, love the show. I wish it was a daily podcast. Short, sweet, to the point. I love that. Thank you, Zombie. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Daily podcast? Yes or no? 
Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? We're getting two this week, and I think you and I are walking around like, you know how productive we've been? We have two yeah. podcasts this week. Other people put out two a day. We're like, nah, if you get one a week, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> I got home from work, and I was like, hey, babe, I got another podcast. And she's like, are you fucking kidding she's me? She just did like yeah. one, two days ago. <laughs> yeah. This is like, you have like three weeks until your next one. What are you talking about? I, I, I got the same fucking luck. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, now, this one comes from Mr. Fred Walker. Now, Fred Walker follows us on Twitter. He's given us a review on Apple Podcasts before. But if you haven't been to our Facebook page, just type in Welcome to Perfectville into Facebook, and you can see additional content. We post the show there. Chris posts a bunch of crazy videos there. I'll post a video every now and then. But Fred Walker posted this, and I know you saw it already, Chris. But uh, he, he wrote a review on our Facebook page, and it says, uh, this, now, just to keep in mind, if you've never found our podcast and you're on Facebook and you're like, oh, I wonder what Welcome to Perfectville is, I think I'll read the reviews. This is the review that pops up first, and it says, awesome podcast. I have been listening to these guys for a few years now. It's the only podcast that I mute and pleasure myself to after a big Dolphins win. Love you guys. Um, so... Uh, I think that means. Give- Sam, I think the first question I have is, um, how do you mute a podcast and then continue masturbating to it? Like, yeah. we don't have video, so is that like he's watching us like lipping, like mouth, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a great point. Why did you <laughs> even start? It. Yeah, why did you start the podcast and then mute it? Like, why do why wouldn't you just handle your business and then start the podcast? So you're jerking off in the dark? Like, what, what, I mean, I guess that's normal, that's fun, isn't it? You know, that is fantastic. I did not put that together. This is why there's two of us so that we can share at least one full brain. Yeah, Fred, explain yourself. Why would you mute the podcast, which is just the audio, which is all we provide, and then masturbate? Uh, to a muted podcast that would be like oh man i love this show i turn it off and just jerk off uh, i watch it what no that doesn't make any sense it's like i love the elevator i really love it when i take the stairs yeah do you <laughs> like, think that doesn't make sense you're not yeah. using the elevator yeah do you think uh do you think he like just it, like our voices get him going and then he's got to mute it because it gets like i don't maybe i'm thinking too maybe i don't want to know maybe i don't want to you know what fred i don't know i don't know if you want to know you know what fred <laughs> just don't even don't even respond it's totally fine uh i will make sure i don't care if you if you win citizen of the week or not you're getting a a, a free koozie and you fill it up with whatever you want um uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I'm crying. I'm. I, I knew uh, you were gonna read that fucking review. We both have access to our messages on Facebook, and when I saw that, it um, <laughs> it was one of those like a double tuck. I was just like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? Like, you know what I, I like? It and jerk. The, and it's the only podcast, yeah. by the way. No others. No others have that distinction to where he can mute it and jerk off. I feel like that should be an award. Yeah, technically, if he's muting our podcast and jerking off, uh, every other podcast is doing the same thing because you're not. There's nothing else going on. Yeah, you've you muted the world apparently. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I uh, thank you, Fred. It's actually very very nice, creepy but nice. Um, <clears throat> But uh, you know what I like about the the Facebook page, Chris, is that uh, we both have access. We, we both have admin rights for obvious reasons. But it doesn't tell me when you post, and I don't think it tells you when when I post. Uh, all I get is a notification to be like, "Hey, your video is performing very, very well on your Facebook page." And I'm like, "Oh, I wonder which one it is." And then I turn it on, and it's like one of yours. And I'm like, "I didn't even know he posted this shit. What is this?" It doesn't tell me when you actually post. It just tells me that the video on the page is doing well. Yeah, yeah I think so. you should promote it and spend money. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is never going to happen. I am excited, though. My tweet that I tweeted out of the, uh, 6, the man cave, um, that went almost pretty viral as, as far as our show is concerned. The last I looked, is over 5,000 views. It's almost 6,000. Uh, I checked 300 today. likes yeah. or so. Yeah, and some retweets and stuff. Like, some good shit, man. And um, that was a blast. It was one of those. I just walked out there with the phone. I was like, hey, guys, just do a dance. I'm about to go crazy with the phone for the for the podcast. And, yeah, 3-0, and man, gets you going. You know, it's the only Twitter video that I actually turn off and then pleasure myself to, Chris, is that video that you put out there. <laughs> Wow. What a distinction. Thank you. <laughs> all right. And uh, all right. Getting back to the show, getting back to the final nominee for Citizen of the Week. And this guy is uh, got the worst name. He's got the worst name of all of, the, <laughs> all of our citizens. It's like an R and a bunch of vowels and like a silent S. I'm not sure what's <laughs> going on there. It's like his name's WrestleMania spelled wrong or something like that. But yeah. uh, God Wrestling damn it. leaves. You know, it, it might be between him and Slainer as, you know, longest standing, most interactions with our podcast. And of course, we're talking about Raceland Eslar, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, he's the one who originally wrote that. If you guys remember the parody that that Chris wrapped over the parody of Stan, uh, the old Eminem song that he wrote lyrics to about the Perfectville podcast after we'd missed it like a week or two, which is not uncommon for us, as you would know, Chris. Uh, he's back because we did not do a podcast last week, and that was by design. Um, but Raceland, uh, he got us. If if, uh, if you know anything about Eminem, he's, Eminem has a song called Rap God. I'm going to play half a second for uh, for you right now so you know exactly what it is. So that's the Eminem version. That's the original version called Rap God. And uh, now we have one called the Perfectville Rap or Bad Pod. Uh, and I'm going to play that for you. It's about a minute and a half long, but I'm going to play it because uh, if you know the Rap God, then you also know uh, where we're heading here. And I'm going to go ahead and play this. This is Raceland Naslar. Uh, he actually pr- produ- wrote, produced, and performed this here. Uh, check it out. I was going to go easy on you, not to hurt your feelings, but I'm only going to get this one chance. Oh, I can feel it. It's just a feeling I've got. Like something's about to happen, but I don't know what. If that means what I think it means, we're in trouble. It's big trouble. And if he is bananas, as you say, I'm not taking any chances. Feel like you're a bad part, bad part. All my people from the front and to the back, not back, not. So maybe I should spend more time on Lost On, Lost On. Or maybe I should check out things of fans down, fans down. You escape another podcast, must be in your jeans. I got an iPhone in my back pocket, my attention spans long as my cock get. Isn't all that impressive? So when it's been a minute since you hit it back when Ty Robbins was a starter for Chris C, recorded with Slainer. I'm a fancy, but let's be honest. With as rude as the least and as perfect Bill is, so the problem. The best ability is availability, and I can't keep up with the dailies of the other podcasts. Packing in stats and analysis, talking less yakety yak yak, while at the same time you're retweeting pictures of a Ronnie Bagston. Like, how can you market yourself when you ain't got no product? Let me hear back from these two bastards in a week and a half become abundantly clear that this is a consistent issue that we're gonna have how can i not blow all i do is drop five stars feel my wrath of attack feel less reliable than Devontae parker playing two weeks back to back it's increasingly frustrating me bad to hit me back when i'm anxiously awaiting the pod this week it's something like i'm beginning to feel like you're a bad pop bad pop all our people from the front to the back not back not so maybe i should spend more time on lockdown lockdown or maybe i should check out things of fans down fans down 
Okay, Chris. So uh, there's so many things on this that I love. I don't even know where to begin other than to give a standing, resounding round of applause for uh, WrestleMania 12 or whatever his name is, because uh, that was fantastic. Uh, nothing oh, but yeah. respect from me to you, sir. Yeah, I muted it and jerked off the entire time. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. How did it sound when you muted it? Uh, it sounded good. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I blacked I out. <laughs> yeah, ask me in ten minutes when my brain comes back. Um, no, it's just no, fantastic. But it was amazing. Yeah, uh, it was the, just... ba- the Parker back-to-back games is uh, a better opportunity than us doing a show back-to-back. Was just fucking amazing, and him doing bad pod. He'd rather listen to Locked On. Like it was just one of the fucking best parodies i've ever heard in rustling leaves or wrestlemania or uh, wrestle my jimmies or rusty trombone whatever his name is um kudos because Absol- i i got home from lunch and listened to that and it was fucking phenomenal yeah to to steal a football metaphor he hit it out of the park chris um yep. with that being said though we'll leave on that high note we'll go to halftime um i need a smoke after reading those reviews and listening to that song and uh we'll, we'll pay some bills and we'll come back with the second half of perfect bill now on the dolphinstalk.com podcast network right after these words All right, citizens, it is halftime here at Perfectville, which means you have time to go get yourself another beer, go take a leak from the last beer that you drank, and then think about all of those awful stories you're going to have to go shop at when you're done listening to this. That's right, shopping. Nobody wants to do it anymore. Long lines, loud kids, smelly people in front of you. It sucks. That's why I do my shopping at Amazon.com. And you can too. All you have to do is go to WelcomeToPerfectville.com, click on the Amazon link, and get all of your shopping done with just a click of a mouse. No hidden fees, no extra charges. But by clicking on the banner on our website first, you help out your favorite podcast and keep the lights on in the town of Perfectville. And all you got to do as a citizen of Perfectville is go to welcometoperfectville.com, click on the Amazon.com banner, and do all of your online shopping from there. Hey, you can even order more beer. Lucky you. All right, now back to the show. And we are back with the second half of Perfectville. Chris, uh, we went on a little bit of a tirade. We had some fun in the first half, but now it is time to get to business. Uh, the Miami Dolphins 3-0, first place by two games in the AFC East, going into New England, going into Foxborough, as we alluded to earlier in this podcast, have not won there since 2008 in the invention of the Wildcat offense with Ronnie Brown, Ricky Williams, and such. Uh, <clears throat> going up against a 1-2 New England Patriots team that has two losses in a row. What are your thoughts heading into this game right now? What are your thoughts and feelings about the Miami Dolphins as a whole and this game? Sam, I'm the most conflicted fan and co-host of a podcast for the Miami Dolphins I've ever been. Um, We are going into Foxborough, where we haven't won in 10 years. Since 2008, with a Wildcat game where they they were literally filing out of their seats out of Gillette Stadium because we were just beating the absolute pants off that team. Um, no Tom Brady. He was hurt at that point. The Chiefs had already taken him out for the year. Uh, so literally we haven't beat the Patriots probably since uh, Tom Brady became the quarterback in Foxborough. That's how fucking huge this is and how monumental type of game this is. Um, also, the Patriots haven't lost three games in a row since I don't think I can remember. I don't think there's a stat out there. If there is, please tweet it to me. I didn't find it on the quick three-second Google I found of it. The last time they won three games and lost three games in a row was probably in the early 2000s somewhere where Tom Brady was just getting a start. 
Um, do you know something, Sam? Do yes, you I do. It? The last time the Miami Dolphins lost, or I'm sorry, the last time the Miami Dolphins lost three games in a row was last year. <laughs> last uh, week. <laughs> no, the last time the New England Patriots lost three games in a row during the regular season was back in 2002, uh, which was Tom Brady's uh, only time that he's ever lost three in a row. They lost to the Chargers on the road. They lost to the Dolphins in Miami. And they actually uh, lost to Brett Favre and the Packers, twenty-eight to ten. Those are the last three games that they lost: twenty-one fourteen, twenty-six thirteen, twenty-eight to ten. Back in two thousand two, that is the last and only time uh, a Tom Brady-led New England Patriots team has lost three in a row. If you can put into words, Sam, how sick you are of the Patriots and their dominance and Tom Brady and Belichick and how they're always constantly 9, 10, 11, 12 wins a season. What you just said absolutely should be the absolute first paragraph sentence that you talk about. 2002, Sam, I was a sophomore in high school. I am 31 years old right now sitting here talking on this show. 31. I'm living in North Carolina. In 2002, I was a sophomore in high school in Wellington, Florida, in Palm Beach County, playing JV slash varsity football. I got moved up halfway through the year. And like all I worried about was video games, playing football, my friends, my girlfriend. Like that's it. And the Dolphins. That's the last time the Patriots lost three games in a row dude we went one and 15 in 2008 seven like we that's how good and dominant they've been they've taken everything for granted we have not beat this team in foxborough since 2008 ryan Tannehill was probably in high school maybe in college i don't know he came out in 2012 i don't know if he's a junior or sophomore he was possibly in high school the last time we won in foxborough sam this is ryan Tannehill's prove it game this is it. This is his prove-it game. He goes in there, and he bests an older Tom Brady, the old vet. He is the night wing to the old retiring Batman. He needs to take the throne and show his worth and come out there and absolutely dominate. If Belichick tries to stop a Wilson or stop an Amendola or stop the running game, Tannehill needs to step up and shut the fuck up. Everybody talking shit. Oh, those weren't passes. They are pitches forward, and they did the job for him, even though you can throw a screen if you're Tom Brady four yards to the left, and he runs it 70 yards, and he gets credit for it, and nobody questions it. Um, Tannehill's prove-it game is Sunday, 1 o'clock in Foxborough. Sam. I like that. I think uh, this this should be a statement game. This is the type of game that you need to win. This goes on the resume if you do win. Um, I do want to point out uh, a couple more things. Yeah, I want to point out a couple more things that are, uh, you know, uh, going to rustle your jimmies, as as we like to say. Um, not only have the, have the Patriots not lost three in a row since 2002, um, since then, they have actually lost two in a row five times. And uh, this is what's happened in the third game. Uh, when they were almost about to lose three in a row. Back in 2006 against the Green Bay Packers, after losing uh, two in a row, they beat the Packers 35 to nothing. 2009 versus Carolina, after losing two in a row, they beat the Panthers 20 to 10. In 2011, after Oof. losing two in a row, they beat the Jets in New York or New Jersey 37 to 16. The very next year in 2012, at Buffalo, after losing two in a row, they beat the fuck out of the Buffalo Bills 52 to 28 
And, oh and back in 2015, after losing two in a row, and everyone thought the dynasty was over, they uh, they 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 went into Houston and uh, they boat raced them 27 to six. So the doing of the Patriots, you know, we just talked about not looking at historical data to to and applying it to today's game, but uh, recent and long mem- memory here, and we're talking about Tom Brady is really what we're talking about, and Bill Belichick. And they, Belichick, and they're still there. They were there then, and yeah. they're here now. So it's a little bit more uh, susceptible when you look I at the agree. context. There, you have more uh, front office, coach, and player personnel that's the same and consistent throughout. Um, they don't lose three in a row. They get pissed off. They get hyper-focused, and they're playing this game at home against a Miami Dolphins team that has not won there since 2008, which, oh, by the way, Tom Brady was not the quarterback then uh, because he was injured. I think you said uh, it was actually the Bengals. I think you said it was the Chiefs, but the Bengals actually turned him into a flamingo that year in week one. And all of those things being said means that the Miami Dolphins, as you just said, and Ryan Tannehill in in particular, that this is their statement game. This is their flag that they get to stamp and plant into the ground. This would be basically uh, a, a resume builder for Adam Gase if he's able to walk into New England. And think about that. Think about, I, I wouldn't say the New England Patriots are buried, but man, they would be in such a hole being three games behind the Miami Dolphins, four weeks into the season, two games under 500, and really with all the controversy going on in there uh, with Tom Brady not being happy, supposedly, with his trainer, you know, maybe being a, a bad influence or a good influence. Nobody really knows what the hell's going on. Belichick seems like he's got one foot out the door all the time. Um, I mean, he's treating the New England Patriots like his wife. He's just stepping out as quickly and possibly as he, you know, as he can. <laughs> Everything looks like the the wheels are coming off for the Patriots, but they seem to thrive in this sort of environment to where they can say, you know what, go get the wrench, tighten the lug nuts, here we go. Um, So all that being said, man, how do the Miami Dolphins beat the Patriots in New England week four? Sam, you mentioned it, and I'm going to kind of touch a little bit on that and add a little seasoning. This is where... Uh, all the stars are aligned. It's very cliche to say that, but it really is the truth. Tom Brady, like you said, there, there's hostile. He didn't show up for some uh, voluntary workouts this offseason. There's rumors that he uh, wanted to leave or Belichick was ready to go. Now it's come out that Gronkowski was uh, very close to being traded by the Lions, and he threatened, threatened retirement because he wanted to play with Tom Brady uh, for the rest of his career. And then his brother comes out and said he's not happy. And now Gronk's saying that his brother doesn't speak for him. These are all distractions that don't normally happen in New England. Belichick's on the Cincinnati. He's on the Cincinnati. He's on the Cincinnati. He's on the Cincinnati. Like, they don't publicly verbalize these things. It stays in-house, and they handle it. And it doesn't seem like that's happening right now. They just put their linebacker and Rex Burkhead on the IR They're done for the year. New England has lost two in a row. They just lost to the winless at the time Lions and national TV to a former Patriots coach in Patricia who historically – we want to keep talking about historics – coaches under the Belichick tree normally have no success against Bill Belichick. They lose. That's what happens. He didn't. He won. Matt Patricia won. And one thing I'm going to point to, Sam, and this is where uh, there's Dolph fans, and we know it, all offseason before the draft, man, did they want Baker Mayfield. There was a Baker Mayfield army. And this guy came out, and what were they saying when he finally got his opportunity in his due time in the NFL? The Browns haven't won in some odd games. The Browns can't win. The Browns can't close. They've tied. They've lost. He came out. He had confidence to him. He had a swagger. He didn't care if he was throwing into tight windows. He let it loose. And he played loose, and the players around him, defense and offensively, 
felt it. They felt his energy, and they picked it up. And guess what? They got their first win with Baker Mayfield leading the way. Ryan Tannehill, it's your time to fucking do the same thing. If you want to shut up the Baker Mayfield army, which, by the way, we had no chance of ever getting because he was the first overall pick. But he was a great quarterback. I like him too. I do. I like him. I like what he brings, that swag, that kind of uh, no play is ever over. If he's got the ball in his hands, I like that kind of quarterback. I do. But if you want to shut these guys up, you go in New England, you do the thing that no quarterback has done since I was in fucking high school and Tom Brady wasn't even the quarterback. You go out there and beat New England in New England, setting up, like you said, a deficit for them, a 4-0 Miami Dolphins start, and the next time we play New England is at home where we have much success, more than people even realize. We normally split with the Patriots. Man, that is a start we Well, need. and a lot of people I don't think realize this, and a part of it is a function of the Dolphins playing the Patriots twice a year, every year, but Tom Brady has lost more to the Miami Dolphins than any other team in the regular season. Um, and that's, you know, that look, he has a winning record against us, but he's also lost double-digit amount of games against the Dolphins. So it's not that they have his number, but uh, the Dolphins always are game for the New England Patriots. They always seem to play him well, regardless of who the coach is. Uh, it's just something in the air when the Dolphins and the Patriots get together where the Dolphins give them fits. And you're right. Um, you know, we're not the only team having injuries in this game. Rex Burkhead, I think, is a, is a, is a big loss for them. We're not sure if... Uh, Josh Gordon is going to uh, light up or actually get on the field and light us up. We're not quite sure where he stands at this point. Uh, he's got a hamstring issue. He may or may not uh, play. I think it's probably going to be a game-time decision, and I think that's by design with Bill Belichick. I would anticipate that we uh, we game plan for him to be in the game. Uh, but if he's not, uh, that means you focus on Rob Gronkowski. I mean, I think Detroit showed a perfect game plan. Um, anybody but Rob Gronkowski. And, you know, that's really what you have to go yes. with is, hey, look, James White, if you're going to beat us, hats off to you. If, uh, you know, Julian Edelman's going to um, run onto the field after, even though he's still suspended and beat us, then hats off to you. But Rob Gronkowski is not going to beat us. You're going to have to find somebody else on that roster that can catch the ball, run the ball, break a tackle, get into the end zone. And I'd like to see us do the same thing in this one. I think you put two people, you put a safety over the top, and you put some sort of linebacker or, or nickel defender on Rob Gronkowski the entire game. And you just blanket him and you say you know what this is your guy if he lines up in the slot you're lining up in the slot as a man and you got safety help behind you if he's going to line up on the line then our linebackers are going to line up over the top of him and you're going to follow him off the line and you got safety help behind you rob gronkowski should not beat us in this game now penalties against rob gronkowski we can't control that necessarily but rob gronkowski catching the ball running the ball and scoring with the ball should not happen as far as i'm concerned find somebody else to beat us and if that happens then you tip your cap to tom brady bill Belichick and whoever that third player is, but I if I if I'm the Miami Dolphins, my defensive game plan is completely 100% around shutting down Rob Gronkowski and then obviously getting to Tom Brady and, you know, two-hand touching him or whatever it is you're allowed to do for quarterbacks these days. Yeah, you're 100% right. Do what the Patriots do. They always find your biggest weapon That's or one big do. weapon and take him completely out of the game. They do that with Landry. They try try to do it with Landry the last few years we played and sometimes they're successful, sometimes they weren't. And other guys need to step up. And that's what we need to force them to do. Take him away. And there's no excuse. We have the speed at linebacker with Baker, with Alonzo, and the safeties that we have with hopefully, knock on wood, we're getting Rashad Jones back. Uh, we got Rashad Jones. We got McDonald. We got Minka. There's no excuse to not double 
team Rob Gronkowski and take him out of the game or at least make it difficult to throw him the football. And then at that point, if that's Brady's number one target, he has to progress, and there's where a pass rush needs to come into play. This is where Quinn needs to earn his money. This is where Quinn needs to step up and say, hey, guys, you traded for me for a reason. I love pinning my ears back and getting a guy like Tom Brady and making him my bitch. And Cam Wake's like, yo, what's up, bro? I'm the same way. Let's do this. Because that's where you make your bread and butter and your money. A guy like a, De- a Devon a Godchow and a Taylor when he gets in, uh, this is where you make your name and where you make your money. And that's where uh, we've seen it. Sam, I know you've seen it. You're a Lakers fan. Um, and I've seen it when the Miami Heat had LeBron James. We would play teams that um, would be 0-4, 0-5, and all of a sudden they're just putting up 112 yep. points against the Heat because they want to beat the best. So that's where I think – is the explanation where you said the Dolphins, for some reason, there's something in the air. We always just played them tough. They had a target on their back. They've had a target on their back since Tom Brady became the quarterback. You just said it. They haven't lost three games with this guy since who knows when. Like, that's how long it's been um, to them, too. So, like, I mean, that's like almost another millennium. The last time they lost three in a row with Tom Brady. So anytime they come in on, on our schedule, you circle it with a red pen and you say, I want to be the guy that stops him. I want to be the guy that beats him and they get their absolute best. Now that's also kudos to them that they've been successful enough with that being the case, because that has been the case with the Colts, the Broncos, with any other team that's ever played them. They've always had the target and they've gotten the best of the best from those teams. So let's just call it spade a spade. They're a great team. We know that Tom Brady is the goat. Everyone wants to call him the goat or one of the goats of a quarterback play in these generations of of quarterbacks and they're a great team they have rings upon rings upon rings that we couldn't even fathom seeing for our team but we do play them tough every time and this is where guys like a Godchow, a quinn awake a baker a mcmillan who hasn't done much this season step up or minka gets his first pick as a pro that these are those games with tom brady you can say i fucking picked off tom brady i guarantee you making Fitzpatrick is on the phone with nick saban picking his brain saying, hey, coach, what do you think? What do you think I should do? What tells do you see? Give me anything you got, any advice, because this is a huge game, and that's how big this is. No, I uh, I, I totally agree. You got me fired up. I was uh, I was getting ready to fly to New England and uh, try to sack Tom Brady myself there. And, you know, Ro- Robert Quinn, I think, has earned his money, and, and I know you're not implying that he hasn't. But he's been fantastic on the line. Uh, Cameron Wake, uh, you know, he, he got the sack last week. Um, he, he's still there. You know, he, he's still there. We're, we're really going to need that front four uh, to put pressure on as much as you can. But I really think it's going to boil down to the secondary. Can you bracket and blanket Rob Gronkowski? If so, Tom Brady's in his 19th season. He's 49, 50 fucking years old, however old he is. 70 Yeah, I mean, like at some point, if you look at his deep ball, it's not as great as it used to be. The zip isn't there as much as it used to be. He is starting to slow down. Father time is starting to catch up to him. Uh, he, he is still elite. He's still one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady other than the fact that he's got a butt on his chin. But the... <laughs> But no Amendola, no Edelman. Like, I mean, come on. The, the chips are finally falling in other well, teams' Well, and favor. you took the words out of my mouth, and I, and I want to switch to offense. Right. No, that's great. That means we're, uh, we're in simpatikiko or whatever fucking word I just made up. Um, I want to switch to offense and talk about that because there's two players on offense that I think uh, are really going to be uh, keys in this game. One of them is the guy you just mentioned, Danny Amendola. How much fun is Danny Amendola going to have um, – 
getting first downs on third and nine against the New England Patriots up and down the field all game long. I feel like Adam Gase is the, has got that Belichick little you know DNA in him where he's going to want to needle Belichick by beating him with his own players. He's going to want to take Danny Amendola and put him in positions to where Ryan Tannehill is going to find him and throw him the ball and frustrate the hell out of the New England Patriots. So I'd look for Danny Amendola to have his best game as a Miami Dolphin so far. The other guy I'm going to take a look for is a guy who is getting a lot of national media attention, and rightfully so. Um, and, and I want you, I want everyone to keep in mind this is the 10-year anniversary and keep in mind that Tony Sperano, Coach Sperano, has passed away. But we have shown a look so far this season in the first two games of mm. Albert Wilson lining up as the yeah. trigger man in the Wildcat. And it hasn't really done much. We haven't really done much with it, but it's on tape. It's on film. We've also shown Albert Wilson be able to come around on an end around and throw the ball a la Ronnie Brown. Um Albert Wilson is the Ronnie Brown in the 2018 version of of, of a, a specialty option sort of offense that we would throw out there. Now, I'm not suggesting the Wildcat is going to run wild against the New England Patriots. What I am suggesting is it would not surprise me to see us build on what we've seen with Albert Wilson throwing the ball, running with the ball, and lining up behind center in a shotgun formation. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about what if... Albert Wilson lines up in the Wildcat and throws a touchdown pass to Danny Amendola. You might see Bill Belichick just explode on the sidelines if that were to happen. I think I would come unbelievableist uh, buckets <laughs> if he threw a touchdown to Ryan Tanhill. Like the former receiver catching a touchdown pass, that would just give us just fucking material for days. But really, I mean, Sam, I think just to your point, to actually be serious about this, um, a coach like Bill Belichick, he's a guy that game plans to the T. He is just thinking of anything, everything, and all that Adam Gase has given him is everything, everything. Bill Belichick can't sit back and be comfortable about anything he sees. He's probably taken this entire week and been like, guys, they can do anything. As a defensive coordinator myself, is somebody and, and believe me, <clears throat> I'm not comparing myself to Bill Belichick. I coach ten year olds and you have integrity um, as but, well. Like so. I play against teams right. I don't cheat, but we play against like a team. Uh, Union Academy is one of the teams we play. They do a single wing where there's two guys in the backfield. There's no quarterback. They either they direct snap it and they either run right or run left. And one of the guy they both put their hands on the ground like they're going to get the ball. And one of them's going to lead block and one's going to run. That's it. It's simple as that. It's so simple, but it's very difficult to coach against. As a defensive coordinator, I keep thinking, what if they set up a reverse? Or what if they set up a pass? Like that Tebow fake run up the middle jump pass. Like I'm constantly, even though they've never shown it to me before, and they're still getting four or five yards per simple carry right or left. And I'm wasting energy. I'm wasting coaching time. And I only have limited amounts of it during the week preparing for the game. And then that's where what Adam Gase have do has done these last few weeks to Bill Belichick has seen everything. Like they've thrown the table at him. And there's guys like Parker and Gusecki who have not been really a focal point yet that are still waiting in the weeds to be that guy. Or even Amendola. Amendola has really only had a few catches per game. Like he hasn't really done as much because uh, Stills and Wilson have really taken the toll of the passes. And, and that's great. That's fine. And this is the game, like you said, Sam, where Amendola is going to show up. And all of a sudden I can see Belichick 
concentrating on taking him away because he's almost like playing 3D chess and he knows Gase is going to use Amendola and he's going to make him a priority to stop. But that's where Gase can be like a step ahead of him and have Gasecki be the guy to show up this week or Parker. And that's where Bilicek has to be losing sleep at night. They only have a limited amount of time to prepare for this game. Like the game ended Sunday and we play a week later. Like they have a day off, a day or two off. Who are you preparing for? And a guy like Bill Belichick is getting older. Uh, their defense is not as dominant as we've seen in years past. Like their defense is not rolling on all cylinders like we've seen. Like they've gotten rid of some of the guys that have really done things for them. And it's funny to see them making plays on other teams, like on Tennessee. I think it was Butler, uh, and then you got Collins uh, over in Cleveland. And, and they're just getting rid of these guys, and they're doing other things on other teams. And all of a sudden, the New England's Patriots defense is getting torched by Stafford, who was zero two at the time, and things of that nature. So I can see where he's losing sleep over the options that we have, and they're endless. They're endless with Grant, with Wilson. With Parker and Gasecki, he's just absolutely losing sleep over this. Yeah, he has to be. I think uh, you know. Look, look from the outside looking in, this seems like an opportunity for somebody other than New England Patriots to really take c- control of this division. He understands that he's going to use it as motivation to get Tom Brady and everybody else on the same page. I think they're going to put up a huge fight. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Gun to your head, knee to the stomach. What is the final score? What is the outcome for the Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, week four? <laughs> Gun to my head. Uh, man, I just went on that whole rant. Uh, this is a game we have no reason winning. Like, there's no reason we should win this game. We haven't won in 10 years here. They haven't lost three games in a row in forever. Um, everybody's still doubting us. We're 3-0 and against teams supposedly we should beat. And two of them are home games. Uh, but Sam, I'm not going to be the guy that picks against us and then we lose and I'm the reason why I'm going to keep this train rolling as long as they keep it rolling for me, but it's going to be a close one. Like there's no way, uh, completely honest. If I had an actual gun to my head, I'd probably pick New England to win, (laughs) but uh, I'm going to say Miami is going to win this game. Uh, 24 to 23. Wow. One point differential. That would be an exciting game. I, um, I guess I'd pull the trigger, man. I, I'm uh, gun to my head or not. I'm taking the Patriots, and I know, I know everyone, all the citizens, all the Dolphins out there are hating me right now. I understand it. If I were you, I would feel the same way. I'm excited about this Miami Dolphins team. I don't think that a loss to the Patriots right now ends this season by any stretch of the imagination. They've got too many good things going on. And if you look at the schedule uh, the rest of the way, according to at least a few people out there, uh, the strength of schedule for the Miami Dolphins is pretty weak going forward as as you see how this has played out over the first three se- uh, uh, weeks of the season. <clears throat> we can absorb a loss. Now, I don't want to take a loss. I don't want it. And I think Miami's going to play the Patriots better than what the final score is going to indicate. But I have us losing 25 25- 13. Uh, I think that the Patriots, you just look at all of these factors, the fact that they're at home, the fact that the refs, I'm not one that blames refs. You know this. I always say you have to overcome. I think the refs are going to play a factor in this. I I think we are going to play a little bit tentative. I think we're starting to get just enough publicity where um, unless Adam Gase or Ryan Tannehill is able to kick them down a notch, you might start seeing people saying, we got this, we got this, we got this, and maybe let up a little bit and not concentrate as much as they possibly can. I don't know. I could be wrong. This just could be, you know, years and years of historical data that I'm relying on with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> um, but I just think Tom Brady, as we've stated, he doesn't lose three in a row. Bill Belichick doesn't lose three in a row. They don't lose at home, especially to the Miami Dolphins, uh, especially with Tom Brady at the helm. Everything is looking like the Miami Dolphins are going to still be in first place, 
but it's going to be a little bit of a tighter race than we, I think, all hope coming out of this. So I've got us losing 25-13. So I have us losing not only by a little, but by two scores, quite frankly. And uh, I hope I'm wrong. I I hope I come back here next week and I have to eat a big-ass pile of crow. I would love to do that. I would Nothing would make me happier. But I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm going to be that guy. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to sit on this and say uh, the Patriots are going to end, end our undefeated streak. Yeah, I was in the shower thinking the same thing. Like it's it, it's just absolutely difficult. There's so many things going against going against us uh, where it's just um, this might be the time though where Gase is in year three, Tannehill is in year what five six, uh, where it's his prove it game. It's not cold. Uh, our defense is good. We're pretty healthy with our weapons. Our chemistry has gotten there with the uh, new guys, with Gasecki, with the with the Wilson, and we got Parker now in game two. I mean, there's no excuses. If we lose, it's because they beat us. Uh, uh, fair and square, that's it. But if we win, it's because we're at a point where Gase is – comfortable bringing out the warriors that he put together to to win this game and uh, i can see it happening i'm very skeptical i'm very pessimistic but i'm not going to be the one i've picked us to win all three weeks and we've won three weeks i can't break that i I am just too superstitious so i'm glad you're the one to jump on the grenade buddy i appreciate it yeah i hope i'm wrong i hope i fail because uh i'd love to come back here next week and replay this clip as the greatest doll fail in recent dolphin history uh but moving (laughs) on from the game and to the greatest doll fails in miami history uh we got one here chris the one that you picked Uh, we talked about this uh, we talked about the 2008 season and how great and magical that was this actually came in 2009 September 21st, Monday night against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I know you know this game. We've referenced it in the past, but this is Peyton Manning personified, Miami Dolphins personified. The Dolphins had over 45 minutes time of possession, somehow managed to lose to the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning 27-23. Uh, the infield dirt is there because the Marlins are poaching our stadium. Chad Pennington is at the helm. We had this game controlled very much the way the Raiders had us last week. They just had everything under lock and key. But somehow, some way, the Miami Dolphins found a way to lose this game. Take a listen. These Colt defenders have been on the field for 83 plays tonight. The tank is completely empty. And now you're down to one snap. And they're just trying to find enough to get... One more pressure. Your big receiver at six foot four is Anthony Fasano. He's the one he could throw the the high throw to if he can get to the end zone. Three to the right, two to the left. Game comes down to this. Pennington throwing toward the end zone and it is intercepted by Antoine Buffet. And the Colts win a game that they don't even have the ball for 15 minutes. They win 27 to 23. And Mike Tirico said it best there, Chris. Peyton Manning and Indianapolis Colts win this game without even having the ball for 15 minutes. I mean, that that's that's how bad that Dolphin was for the Miami Dolphins back in 2009. They lose 27-23, intercepted in the end zone as they're trying to, to establish a comeback and salvage the game. Does not happen. Colts win. Dolphins lose. We all go home very unhappy. I would love for somebody to do the math and see how much Peyton Manning was making per game that year and see how much he made for 15 minutes of performance because that's all he did, and he got paid a lot for it, and he beat us. And I believe we were at home. We were. It was on national, yep, national TV, and Channing Crowder, I believe, had 10 to 
15 tackles, all 20-plus yards down the field, completely worthless, uh, trailing everyone, just making tackles. Um, that was just one of the worst games I've ever seen, Sam, Like where you feel like you're in control. You said it after the Raiders game where the Raiders look like on the stat sheet, on paper, they dominated the Dolphins, and we won. Somehow we won. And it wasn't even in this fashion. This was way more This is way worse. worse. Of way course. Worse. It's the Dolphins. We're national TV. Um, it's Peyton Manning. We we totally kept our if we had a podcast back then, Sam, we would have said our job is to keep Peyton Manning off the field and we'll win the game. That would have been what we said. And we did that. And they still won. Sam. How is that possible? Uh, even watching it back, I, I, I mean, if I were to go on to, uh, like, if I ever go back on Fins Up, Fans Down, I want to watch that game and just, like, rant like a lunatic because it doesn't make any sense. It's one of those things that's like the exception to the scientific rule. You know what I mean? I mean, if you have the ball for over three quarters, you win the game. Like, you win the game. There, that's, that's like, the one of the most telltale stats in football that's tried and true. You win the time of possession, you win the game, more so than not. And uh, this one just, I mean, man, talk about swimming upstream, breaking the rules, anything you want to say. But, I mean, hey, that was Peyton Manning. I mean, that that's they, he rewrote the record book, and uh, he, he well, just kind of defied the odds. That was Peyton Manning, but that was also our, our just horrible offense. And yeah. that's where – um, Sam, we want to talk about historical data and, and the way people uh, perceive the Miami Dolphins. These guys that have been hosting these shows, these national media shows, have been around a long time, a lot of them. Um, and a lot of them were around with these types of games. That's true. Where they saw this happen, and they were talking to each other in pre-show meetings, and they were like, how the fuck does this team lose with 45 minutes of time of possession? Like, how is that possible? And they're all just laughing and just drinking coffee and coming up with notes for their show. And they're like, only the Dolphins, am I right? And it just has built this fucking reputation for this team to where now in 2018, people are just like, well, of course, it's the Dolphins. They're going to probably lose this. And it's built in everyone's mantra. It's in their brain. It's in their subconscious because of things like this. Now, I'm sure if somebody went out there and looked at every team, there's some random abnormal fucking game that this happened, but it seems to be a lot with us, man. Like these random things, like 45 minutes, Sam, it's a 60 minute game, 45 minutes. And we lost. How is that possible? And that builds the reputation for this team where it is today. No, it is, and it. Uh, we've now talked about the game longer than Peyton Manning had possession of the ball in that <laughs> game itself. So why don't we move on to three and out, and then get the hell out of here on this super excited over uh, time edition of Perfectville here, Chris. Uh, first down, uh, you ready to go? I'm ready. Uh, the ball is yours. First down, go. Pat Mahomes, dude, holy shit! Is this one of the greatest uh, debuts in history of the NFL, or what? Yeah, I thank God I have him in one of my fantasy leagues, although I've had to face him twice in my two other fantasy leagues, so it's kind of a double-edged sword personally. But, uh, look, I'm not a Chiefs fan. I don't have, you know, they're an AFC team. I wish nothing but, uh, you know, the plague and ill will on them. But it's very impressive to see what he's done through three games. I mean, uh, I think the Chiefs are right in terms of saying, Alex Smith, thank you for everything, but please go fuck off in Washington for a few years uh, because he's got this. So uh, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, uh, the seventh wide receiver on the team, whoever he is, pick him up because the Kansas City Chiefs are handing out points like freaking candy on Halloween. Uh, so it's, one, it's one B, one B, Sam. Let me ask you this: This is I wanted to lead into this. Is this something that you can see in the future, and maybe next year or the year after, that Adam Gase pulls and Andy Reid and goes, 
hey, Ryan Tannehill, thank you. Like, good stuff. This guy's amazing, and I'm bringing him in. You know, the, the talent is constantly evolving, revolving, and churning, right? I mean, that's part of it. You know, you mentioned Ryan Tannehill earlier being in his sixth season. I think it's the seventh, and he's 30 years old. I mean, now, Tom Brady aside, Peyton Manning aside, once you hit 30, that's kind of when you start looking, all right, all right, what's the succession plan here for quarterback, whether it's going to be Luke Falk or if it's going to be somebody else one or two years down the road. But absolutely, you have to bring in somebody on the backside. I mean, give Bill Belichick credit for coming up with Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, they traded him to San Francisco, and he's now injured, but the guy has talent. There's no denying that. He was constantly and continues to look for talent to put behind Tom Brady uh, just in case he gets injured or he falls off or it's just that time to move on. So, yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, poor Alex Smith, he's had it happen to him a couple times with Colin Kaepernick and uh, and uh, Patrick Mahomes here. And Alex Smith is a good quality quarterback. I mean, that's who I always compare Ryan Tannehill to. And um, he, he's just kind of hasn't had those breaks. It's kind of like Justin Peel. Do you remember Justin Peel, who was our tight end for a couple of years? Oh, yeah. A, a lot of people don't realize what his career was, but he was drafted in the third round by the then San Diego Chargers, who happened to bring in um, uh, a certain guy named Antonio Gates as a street free agent that same offseason. So he becomes the backup to Antonio Gates. He comes to us, and then he goes to Atlanta, starting tight end, very good team. Uh, what happens that same offseason? The Atlanta Falcons trade for Tony freaking Gonzalez from the Kansas City Chiefs. So he he actually backed up Antonio Gates and uh, Tony Gonzalez in his career. Two of the best, if not the best, two tight ends of all time. Uh, he had a great career. He's now the tight ends coach for the Philadelphia Eagles and has a ring, but he's kind of like the Alex Smith of tight ends. Like he just, <laughs> you know, he's good enough to be in the league for a long time, but they're always looking for that prettier girl behind him and um, that's what it feels like with Alex Smith but when you're doing Patrick Mahomes the way he is yeah you got to dump him and and, and move forward and and I would not be surprised if Miami does the same thing in a year or two well and Justin Peel no disrespect but uh, both of those guys are way better than you so they made the right decision like I love the guy like Justin Peel's a good guy good guy great tight end but man those are hall of fame fucking game-changing generational talents so Great moves. <laughs> yeah, no, it. Uh, you're absolutely right. I actually went to uh, high school with Justin Peel, and I would not be afraid to tell him to his face, yeah, those guys are better, and you should be thankful that you have the ring. You know what? what's ironic about that is that Justin Peel has a Super Bowl ring with the Philadelphia Eagles as a coach, and those two guys don't have a ring at all. So, Ooh, who got know, the last laugh? Who, who's getting the last laugh right now? Absolutely. All right, Sam, second down. Second down. Uh, what do you think of the comments of former Pittsburgh Steeler James Harrison coming out and saying Le'Veon Bell should report to the Steelers and then fake an injury so that he can get his time accrued and become a free agent in 2019, but also save himself so that he doesn't get injured in an actual game? He went as far as to say this, Chris, is that he should be practicing hard all week for the cameras, and then Saturday come up with some sort of ailment that keeps him out of the game every single week. Uh, what do you think of this whole situation? Le'Veon Bell has now given back $2.6 million, and James Harrison is saying, you know what, fake an injury, uh, report, don't be stupid, report, fake an injury, and become a free agent next year. James Harrison uh, films himself doing pull-ups uh, shirtless, and just works out mercifully, like as a forty-year-old man, whatever, however age he is at this point, um, he's in insane shape. He's like a tank, and he's telling somebody to fake an injury. Like I just don't feel like that's um, par for the course for a guy like James Harrison. I feel like he's a Cam Wake type guy, where it's like, show up, shut the fuck up, do your job, and go to work. Um, for him to say that is just funny to me. I feel like he got 
done dirty in in Pittsburgh, and he maybe has some ill will there, or some ill feelings. Or well, he does. It's it's well documented. He signed with the Patriots three days after being asking for his release from the Steelers last yeah. year. He he tried to stick it to the Steelers. He has uh, a lot of hatred for that Pittsburgh organization right now. But to to the point to like, I mean, he's got a ring there. Like to the point to actually uh, go publicly <laughs> to give him this random half ass way to like what fake workers comp <laughs> like, or I mean, really, is this what we're doing now in the NFL? Like you play football, you play a game. Are you faking workers comp? They're going to, I mean, I, there's a random fucking like metal sheet company down the street that'll hire a really good attorney to follow you around. Make sure you're not grocery shopping for multiple <laughs> gallons of milk. If you have workers uh, comp there, what the hell is the NFL going to do? If Livion Bell's faking an injury on a Saturday afternoon after practicing hard all week, like well, what the kind of, kind of advice is that? And it really doesn't give Le'Veon Bell any sort of wriggle room. What happens if he actually does fucking hurt himself on a Saturday after he reports? Like, nobody's going to believe him. Yeah, like, the, leg, the the bone could be sticking out of the leg, and they're like, yeah, you bullshit, or tape it up, you piece of shit. And they're just going to try to retract the money that way, too. So I think he's trying to help Le'Veon, um, you know, maybe in a, in a funny way for the media so that people would actually talk to him a little bit since he's now retired and nobody gives a shit what James Harrison has to say anymore. But... <laughs> At the same time, he's not doing his buddy any favors because now if Le'Veon Bell does get hurt, nobody's going to believe him. Oh, yeah, of course, because he's just going to be like, oh, I'm totally hurt. Yeah, is James Harrison your agent now? Like, because no one believes you. You know what? I would totally hire James Harrison to be my agent and have him actually be face-to-face representatives with all these weenie GMs all over the league. Don't even say anything. Just walk in shirtless and stand in front of them and bounce his pecs until they agree to what your demands are. We want more. Okay, good. Excellent. Excellent. Well done. James Harrison. You agree, James. Thank there you. you go. There you go. All right. Uh, third down, sir. Third down. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but let's talk about it some more. Uh, with the whole way this league's going and the roughing the passer penalties being like above and beyond um, the normalcy of these flags coming, Jimmy Garoppolo the quarterback that is just like the apple in the eye of the 49ers. You're over there on the West Coast, Sam. Non-contact injury, kind of jukes out of bounds, tears his ACL trying to get another yard. Justin Houston came out and said, dude, just slide. There's no reason to uh, try for more. He's done. He's done for the year. 49ers now, no quarterback. He just got paid out the ass. Sam, isn't that proof in the pudding that you can't protect these guys at all costs? There's going to be things that happen, and these guys are going to get hurt. Like, these rules are ridiculous, and uh, I feel bad for Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers out there, but you know what? That's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, and now they're without a starting quarterback in week three in the NFL. That's the way the cookie crumbles, and it's the way the knee crumbles. And one of the thing about Jimmy Garoppolo, William Hayes, and a lot of these non-contact, if you want to call William Hayes a non-contact injury, is that what you are doing to these players, because if you look at the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, he didn't know whether to go out of bounds or not. And you can tell he had a little bit of indecision. And then he changed his mind. But there's so much torque and there's so much stress on these ligaments, bones, everything that these athletes are doing out there, that that indecision and then changing your mind 
is what causes these issues because your momentum is going so far in the other direction. And then all of a sudden you go, wait, no, I have to do this or I should go do that, that you make a, a simple turn for you and I becomes just a disaster for somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo. And William Hayes, really no different. He was trying as much as he could as he's in the middle of sacking Derek Carr in that game against the Raiders where he's like, look, I can't drive him down. I can't tackle him like a regular person because they're going to penalize me. So I need to shift my weight. I need to shift the way I'm actually tackling him to ensure that I don't get a, you know, a, a third down sack into an automatic first down for the Oakland Raiders. And he tore up his knee as well. So anytime that you have indecision in the process is kind of when you start to see these non-contact injuries occur. Not all the time, but but a lot of the times that's what I see. Uh, and you're right. I mean, the two the two points kind of prove themselves that people are going to get injured. It's a violent game. You know, sometimes people are going to snap a leg without anybody ever touching them. So why are we trying like, you know, hand over fist to try to protect these guys? If you want to do that, make them uh, a special player with a red jersey that they're not allowed to touch at all. That's the only way you're going to protect them from getting hit by the big bad defensive lineman who's getting paid money to do that. But even so, if they're going to take off and run, you can't protect them. Jimmy Garoppolo, young budding star, 26 years old, just got paid, supposed to be the face of the franchise for the San Francisco 49ers and bring him back to prominence, now gone for the entire season. So your moneymaker is gone. What do you do, NFL? You can't penalize anybody for that other than Jimmy Garoppolo's shitty tendon. So what can you do? I think you have to let all of these players play and say, hey, they're football players. They're going to get hit. They understand the risk. I'm not saying, you know, let them start spearing each other. I understand protecting their heads and all that. But you got to let people play the game and take that indecision out. I mean, and and, and Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, kind of a victim of that as well because the rules are set up in a way where, you know what? Maybe I can go run and grab an extra couple of yards because they're not allowed to touch me. You know, maybe I can because this defensive lineman is going to be so apprehensive to touch me that I can go sneak a couple of yards instead of going out of bounds. And at that moment, in that split second, is when he makes that tweak and he makes that turn, and all of a sudden his career is forever changed. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's a shame what the league is doing to itself uh, with regards to trying to protect the quarterbacks and somehow making more injuries occur. Yeah, you, you said it perfectly, Sam, is that uh, now that they know that they can't hit this guy, they're going to try just getting another inch, getting another inch, and that's going to cause other issues they weren't even counting on at the time trying to make the game safer. So, Well, it is time to wrap up. That was third down with Christopher Colon. That was uh, three and out with both Sam Marku and Christopher Colon. This has been a very long, very exciting episode of Perfect Bill. Uh, where are you watching the game this weekend, Chris, against the New England Patriots? Orlando, Florida. You will be watching this game in the home state, rooting with all your fellow Dolph fans and citizens of Perfectville. I will be watching this game in the friendly confines of my own man cave. Uh, so we're kind of switching gears here. You're going to be out on the road watching the game. I'm going to be at home watching the game. Here's hoping that the Miami Dolphins go to 4-0 and and we have a victory party next week. In the meantime and in between time, Chris, have a fantastic vacation down there in Orlando. And uh, goodbye from Perfectville. Later. DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.